everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Recorded live. Good morning. We want to welcome you to the worship service of the Homerville Church of Christ. We hope you're doing well, enjoying this beautiful day. Today we're going to be looking at the struggles of Jacob this morning, and this evening we're going to consider the question, Can I make? It? how can I make it as a Christian? I hope you enjoy, enjoy and join us in these studies. If you have any Bible questions, we'd love to help you with those as far as the... Uh, as we can by giving you a Bible answer. You can leave those in the comments section of our, or on the Facebook page or in the chat chat box if you're listening live. And we'll be with you in just a minute. Jean's going to be a year older than Nicola Munt. 
I couldn't read the next one. Uh, the order of the worship service this morning, scripture reading, will be done by Brother Evan. And it comes from Proverbs 15, 1 through 11. Proverbs 15, 1 through 11. Leading singing will be Brother Andrew and uh, Brother Brian. Supper, Brother uh, Andrew Beer and Mitchell. And Brother Andrew will be doing the speaking, and he is having some spot problems. Hopefully, it's not kidney stones again, but let's, get, let's remember him also. Hopefully, uh, it's not kidney stones that's acting up in here. But his sermon title is Struggle uh, with Jacob. And another one that uh, we're glad that Sister Virginia's eye surgery has went as well as her ass. She said she's got 20 20 vision in that eye. And in three weeks, she'll have the other uh, uh, cataract removed, so she'll be seeing everything there. Scripture here comes from Proverbs chapter 15, verses 1 through 11. Thoughts answer, turns away wrath, but grief towards the stir up anger. The wise uses knowledge arise, but the dark without foolishness. Out of the world and in every place with all these evil entities, a wholesome tongue and a pure body show the firstness therein. He despises his father's instruction, and he that regards her proof is prudent. House of the righteous is much treasure, but in the revenues of the wicked is close. This of the wise is first knowledge. Part of the foolish do it not so. Sacrifice of the wicked is an abomination to the Lord. The prayer of the righteous is delight. The way of the wicked is an abomination unto the Lord, but he that loveth him follow after righteousness. Correction is grievous unto him that forsaketh the way. Five hundred eighteen. Five hundred eighteen. Five eighteen. So I do the valley of Thank you. 
aplicado. Five hundred twenty-five. After we sing this song, we'll have our opening prayer. And if you would, I'm not punishing that. Just a little heads up. This song has a tendency to kind of want to slow down. So let's try not to slow down because we don't want to take miles to make it. Let us sing. If I walk in the pathway I see, if I work in the books of the
those that will obey the gospel. And we pray, dear Father, that you would help us, give us strength and courage and zeal that we can be busy in your service, be busy in your kingdom. Heavenly Father, we are so thankful for the daily blessings you provide for us, have food, clothing, and shelter, and so many other things. We are so richly blessed by your love. We pray that you will continue to bless us as you see our needs. Father, we ask for your blessings to be on those that Brother Arnold mentioned is sick. And pray that you will bless them and be with others also, especially the household of faith. Father, we pray that we might give comfort and give aid where we have opportunity. We want to be a benevolent people, dear Father. We ask that you will guide, guard, and direct us in your service. We pray that you will be with those of the faithful around the world and carrying your word, especially those in hard and difficult places. We ask you to be with them and their families and the gospel will continue to have free course here and throughout the world. Father, I ask that you be with our leaders, <coughs> judges, they will lead us well and wisely. We might live a peaceful life. Pray, dear Father, that you would put those in authority that are in harmony with your will. Father, we pray that you would be with those that are weak in the faith, for those that are different. We pray that you would help us in encouraging them to be stronger. We pray, dear Father, that you will help us all to love one another. We can shine in lights and make examples for those in this community. Father, we pray that your will be done in all things. Forgive us of our sins. In Jesus' name, amen. Number 411. Oh, the Christians of God, they be raised, for you have won the cross for me. There is death for my sins by the Savior was saved, and his suffering of Calvary. Thank you. 
help us prepare our minds for the taking of the Lord's Supper this morning, I'm going to read from 1 Corinthians chapter 11, verses 23 through 29. For well, I have received of the Lord that which also I delivered unto you, that the Lord Jesus, in the night in which he was betrayed, took bread. When he had given thanks, he broke it, and said, This is my body, which is for you. This do in remembrance of me. In like manner also the cup after supper, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. This do as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. <clears throat> for as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death till he come. Wherefore, whosoever shall eat the bread or drink the cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner shall be guilty of the body and the blood of the Lord. But let a man prove himself, and so let him eat of the bread and drink of the cup. For he that eateth and drinketh, eateth and drinketh judgment unto himself, if he discern not the body. Brother Andrew, believe us in our prayers for the Lord. Let us pray. Dear Lord, we thank you for all the many blessings you've given us, Lord, and especially we thank you for sending your Son on the cross for our sins, Lord, and we pray as we partake of this bread, which represents your Son's broken body, that we might partake of it in a manner pleasing unto you, Lord. Let's pray. Once again, dear Lord, we'd like to thank you for sending your Son and down the cross for our sins, Lord, and we pray as we partake of this fruit of the vine, which represents your Son's shed blood, that we might partake of it in the manner pleasing unto you, Lord. Our sin, pray, Amen.
Now concludes the Lord's Supper. We come to another portion of our service, which is giving. We're commanded in the Bible as Christians to give back unto the Lord as we do prosper. This time, Lord Andrew will lead us in our thanks for the offering. Let's pray. Dear Lord, we thank you for all the many blessings you've given us, Lord, and we thank you especially for the blessing to go out and earn a living, Lord, and we pray as we give a portion of that back that we will give a portion pleasing unto you, Lord. In Christ's name, thank you. Let's go ahead and mark your books to number 673. 673, that'll be the song of the church. Mark that for number 512.
Good to see you, Chuck. I hope you're doing well. Today, <laughs> we get started. First of all, I'm sure Brother Arnold mentioned it. He pretty sure it's on thing, but I, I wasn't here for it. So just be sure you have in mind. Yes, we can. We need to have a registration by the six. And uh, so if you can not see those by Tuesday, then we'll have that in and we can get the early bird rate, which is a little cheaper. And uh, but brother Ray said the other night, don't let money do anything. And so, uh, not to step on your show, but just reemphasize, uh, we need to go ahead and get that information in and make some preparations for that. Today, on the front of your handout, you got your nugget of knowledge. We've been looking at these, and, and uh, if you've not started reading the Bible through for the year, it's not too late to start. Now, you're a little bit behind, but it'll be okay. If you will start now, um, we're going to start today with Leviticus 13, and if you'll read four chapters today, and then three chapters Monday through Friday, and then four more chapters on Saturday, you'll be reading where we're reading now, and you can just add some Genesis, Exodus, and the first of the Leviticus to that every day, maybe two or three chapters, and then little by little we'll get caught up. But there's plenty of time. We've got a whole year, Lord willing. If you don't have a whole year, it really don't matter anyway. But in order to we've got the whole year to work on this, and so you can get caught up. It's not too late. And uh, I've been talking to Brother Ray. Brother Ray, we've been enjoying this uh, study and having good conversations when we get together about the things we've been reading about. And uh, he pointed out today that the things we're reading about actually give, helps give us some insight into some things in the New Testament. Uh, specifically, he mentioned when um, Mary and Joseph go and they're doing their thing with the sacrifices stuff after Jesus' birth, they brought uh, pigeons or doves, I don't remember. They brought birds, I remember that. And uh, so you can go read, read the, the accounts there and, and check and see which way actually went with that. Um, but then in the stuff we're reading about Leviticus, it's telling that after uh, the birth of a, uh, a child, whether it be male or female, here the sacrifices you're supposed to offer, and for Jesus, they should have offered a lamb unless you're poor in your then he offered the bird, either two turtle or two pigeons. And that's what they offered, the bird. So that gives some insight into that, and then you keep on reading, and you read about how they got the finances for the uh, upcoming trip uh, out, of, out, of, out of town. Anyway, it, it's going to help you pick up in the New Testament some things that maybe, well, it's like when you start in the middle of the movie. You get there later, you miss those the foundational stuff, you don't really know why people are doing everything to do it, but as you get to the end of the story, it all falls in place. And so it's been a very beneficial study, uh, just reading through, not spending a whole lot of time with it, but if there's something that catches your interest, you can take your time with it, but it's making our way through the Bible, searching the scripture. Anyway, the nuggets of knowledge. Today our nugget of knowledge just goes from Exodus 30 through chapter 12 of Leviticus, which is what we should have covered this past week. And that is the tabernacle. And there was a lot of emphasis placed upon the tabernacle. I actually started reading another book about the tabernacle, and he said it's interesting how we, we usually in Bible classes will raise over the tabernacle in a couple of lessons, maybe, but the Bible actually takes around 50 chapters talking about the tabernacle and its instruments and how to use them on all those things. And so thinking about the tabernacle, uh, Exodus 25, verses 8 and 9, they're on the paper. Says, Let them make me a sanctuary that I may dwell among them. According to all I show thee, after the pattern of the tabernacle and the pattern of all the instruments thereof, even so shall you make it. 
comes to New Testament, and after he's gone through and read those things about the, the details of the tabernacle, or he comes to the New Testament, Hebrews chapter, you might write this down, 8 and verse 5, quotes what he tells Moses as far as making it according to the pattern. But then Hebrews 9 verse 11, but Christ being become a high priest of good things to come by a greater and more perfect tabernacle, now made with hands, that is to say, not of this building. The Old Testament tabernacle stood as a, a visual representation of God's presence with the people. That's where they went to meet with him, where they went to have their atonement when they had sinned, and they were able to look and say, God dwells with us. But he says Christ has become the high priest of a better tabernacle, more perfect tabernacle, that is, the church. And so we have the tabernacle then, the tabernacle now, in uh, the comparison the types and shadows there, and so as you know, the knowledge this week is the tabernacle. Now, moving on to our sermon for the day, if you want to, you open up your paper, and if you didn't get one, we can make some copies. I think we were down to one. I'm going to have to start making some more copies. Um, I know why that didn't work out. I'll fix that next time. But anyway, if you need a copy, we can get your copy. We've been looking through the scriptures, and, and, and the, really the subheading for what we've been looking at is the uh, great men of the Old Testament. That's the first 10 or 11 lessons we're looking at. We're going to make our way all the way through Solomon by the time we're done with this section of our study this year. Today, we come to a point where we look at Jacob. We noticed Adam, the first man. We noticed Abraham, the father of the faithful. We looked at Isaac, the uh, son of promise, last week. And today we look at the struggle with Jacob. Now, you think about life, you know life is difficult. Um, Job says in Job 14, verse 1, a man that is born of a woman is full of day, a few days and full of trouble. And so it doesn't take long for us to begin to see the struggles of life. And one of the benefits of reading these Old Testament examples, especially, is that we get to see some of the day to day things that they dealt with. We get to see how they interacted with their parents, with their children and brothers and sisters, and all the things that were associated with it. Now, there's some differences. We don't do everything the way they did back in those days, and some of that I'm quite thankful for. Some of it might have been interesting. Um, I've always thought they'd be kind of neat to at least got to try a little sample of manna. I mean, you know, yeah, these world events happened, you know, like when they tore down the burden wall and everybody got some little pieces of rock in the cereal box. Well, then, nice if we could have had a cedar box or a cracker jack box, a little taste of man. Just to know what it would have been like. But we don't have that opportunity. But if you think about all of these things that we're able to see, we're able to learn great lessons on how these folks overcame difficulties and how they stayed faithful to God. And specifically, in these early chapters, we're able to see how God was able to bring Christ into the world through this family, the family of Abraham. And they were back their way to Jacob. And Jacob's life, it was full of struggles, and we're going to notice that today. But all throughout these struggles, he stayed faithful to God. Now, he wasn't perfect, and early on especially, he had some sneakiness about him that, that everybody remembers well. Y'all have said this on Wednesday night, and I think it's pretty neat how this all worked out. We're talking about some of the same things all the way through. So anyway, so you got uh, Jacob. And uh, the struggles that he had, first of all, at the beginning. Jacob struggled at the beginning. Now, let's take our minds back to Genesis 25, verses 19 to 26. And we're going to notice some.
of this, by reading it, some of it I'm just going to have to tell you how it kind of turned out because we don't have time to read all of it. But in Genesis 25, verses 19 through 26, we have the beginning uh, introduction to Jacob. <laughs> in verse 19, it says, These are the generations of Isaac, Abraham's son. Abraham begat Isaac, and Isaac was 40 years old when he took Rebekah to wife, the daughter of Bethuel, the Syrian of Canaan, and the sister to Laban, the Syrian. And Isaac entreated the Lord for his wife because she was barren, and the Lord was entreated of him, and Rebekah his wife conceived. And the children struggled together within her, and she said, If it be so, why am I thus? And she went and went to inquire of the Lord. And the Lord said unto her, Two nations are in my womb, and two manner of people shall be separated from my bowels. And the one people, one people shall be stronger than the other people, and the elder shall serve the younger. And when her days were days to be delivered were fulfilled, behold, there were two or there were twins in her womb, and the first came out red all over and like a hairy garment, and they called his name Esau. And after that came out came his brother out and said, and his hands took hold of Esau's heel, and his name was called Jacob. And Isaac was three score years old when she married him. And so here we have the beginning of our, our introduction to Jacob. Now, it's interesting, when you read about Isaac and, and Rebecca, she was married, and he entreated the Lord for her, and things worked out well. Later on, Jacob's going to have a wife that's there, and, and she just comes nagging at him and says, give me a son or I'm going to die. And he and my God, and you his son. And it seems like there may have been a lack of faith on, on really both of their parts, but it's an interesting comparison how that works out. But, but he don't have a wife, but he's just a little baby at this point. And so we have the prophecy here at the beginning. That's the first little bit there. At the beginning, the struggles he faces, you've got these prophecies that take place surrounding his birth. To begin with, she goes to the Lord, and she asks, why is this so? And he says, you've got two nations in your womb. Now, that's pretty incredible when you think about it, but that's how all these nations started. They started out from, from the head of the family, and they just multiplied. But in her womb, she had Jacob, or who would become Jacob and would become Esau. And he says that, that the one will be strong and, and stronger than the other, but the older will serve the younger. Now, looking forward, that really kind of sets the stage for everything else. Actually, going on towards the New Testament kind of period, when the Edomites will eventually just kind of fade off into nothing. But they'll be subjugated by the Jewish people, and they're eventually, like I say, they'll kind of go off into nothing. You don't really you don't have an Edomite running around today, really, to know about. Um, so that, that kind of plays out as, as time goes on. But you have these prophecies, but the names also appeared in nature. Esau was red, hairy, and was a man of steel. Jacob, uh, his name is heel, heel catcher or supplanter. And so you have the prophecies there at the beginning, setting the stage for the rest of things. And then you have repentance. And this is a struggle that, that also took place. Genesis 25, 27, and 28. Boy, Drew, and Esau was a cunning hunter. And around the field of Jacob was a plain man dwelling in the tent. And Isaac loved Esau because of the heat of his venison. But Rebekah loved Jacob. Have some favoritism going on here. Now, that one little verse speaks volumes when you know what happens after. But just reading that, you might think, well, they were prone to do things with each other and it wasn't that big of a deal. But that's not the way this continues on. 
continue on, uh, you'll see that, that there's some family troubles that, that center around this. Esau was Jacob's favorite. Or Esau, let's back up. Esau was Isaac's favorite. Esau was Isaac's favorite, and Jacob was Rebecca's favorite. When you start getting all these names, it's, it's real easy to get them put in the wrong spot. Um, and, and it leads to trouble, and in fact, it leads to such trouble that everybody involved loses on what they want. But as you think about these beginnings and the turmoil that would exist when there's favoritism involved in the family, they had to have been a miserable situation. It may be not every day, but there have been great problems to come out of that. So at the beginning, there were struggles. There were struggles in the womb, struggles with the parents. But moving on, let's think about the struggle with his brother. And parents' situation there is going to play into this. But to begin with, with to begin with, with his brother, there are problems. And the first problem we want to consider is the birthright. And you'll remember that as you said, there in Genesis 25, uh, 29 through 34, Esau had been out in the field and he was just so starving. And, and, and the words that are used there have this idea of like a, a, a wolf that's been starved out in, the, out in the wilderness and he came in and there's some potters being cooked on the stove. And uh, basically what I've been able to discover from this was that it was made from lentils, which is told by the text. And if you've ever had lentils and they're cooked right, they're actually pretty good. But when you think about what it is, it's really not something you'd expect in a high dollar restaurant. It's basically soup that's made tasty enough to eat. And you say it's pretty good, but it's really worthless as far as the, in the, the price range of food. You wouldn't pay a lot for that. But you recall, Esau came into the house and he saw it, smelled it, and his stomach, I mean, you can just imagine, you've been hungry before, and maybe not quite as hungry as he was, maybe so, but, but there's the food, it's ready, and he just, he was ready to just get the food and start eating out of the pot. And he says, give me some of that that I can eat it, and the idea there is he wanted a big gulp of it right then and there, and Jacob says, well, I'll, I'll do that if you'll give me your birthright. Now, you recall that the, the firstborn had special privileges and there were special rights associated with him. And, and Esau says, it tastes good, sure. It's like he was in the pot before he even really thought about it. Notice Hebrews chapter 12, verse 16 follows. Hebrews 12, verse 14 through 17, give us some insight on this. Speaking to those of the Hebrew Christians, he says, Follow peace with all men and holiness without which no man shall see the Lord, looking diligently, lest any man's fault fail of the grace of God, lest any root of bitterness springing up trouble, and thereby many be defiled. Lest there be a fornicator, let there be a fornicator or profane person, as Esau, who one morsel of meat, sold his birthright. You know how that afterward, when he would have inherited the blessing, he was rejected, so he found no place of repentance, though he sought it, sought it carefully with tears. As this all continues on, you've got the prophecy to begin with that Jacob would be the one who was basically the Lord was kind of picking him. 
In fact, Romans chapter 9 talks about that, how that he was chosen to be the one that the Lord would use to carry out his purpose, carry on that line of succession from Abraham to Isaac and to Jacob. Wasn't that he done anything? It was before he was born that he was chosen. But it wasn't a choice that God made that made him special as far as save him instead of Esau. It was that he chose to use him for this purpose. And so he was chosen before he was born. But he, here's this instance where Esau is hungry now. Now, Jacob did take advantage of his brother. That wasn't the right thing to do, but he did. But Esau was the protector of this birthright. It was his. It was his possession. And it says here that he was a profane man, common. He didn't care about stuff. He was just out there in the wilderness. He wasn't worried about what was valuable. And for a bite of food, he sold that birthright. Food that would last just for a little bit, a birthright that had very consequential And then afterwards, when he received the blessing, that is later on, and we'll get to that in just a second, when he goes and, 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 he, and Jacob is taking the blessing already, he comes in and, and says, do you have my blessing? And he, he said, or here's the venison. And, and Isaac, who are you? I've already gave the blessing. You realize he's been tricked and have a blessing. Did he say one blessing? But there wasn't any way to take that blessing back that didn't give him Jacob. But he got the blessing to receive. And so he didn't receive that because he didn't value that which was good. And that which was in his possession. You think about those Hebrew Christians to whom the Hebrew writer wrote, and how that they had obtained salvation through obedience to the gospel, they were being tempted to turn away. Some of them, more or less, for about a season, I'd say, did. The things of the physical world that turned away. Thus, let's trust to value that which is truly valuable and to keep perspective on those things. But it was Esau's fault that he lost his birthright. I together with Jacob sneaking it. And uh, so that, that takes place and it caused problems. You move on to Genesis 27, and that gets to the blessing. And with the blessing, Jacob recalls Rebecca's favor. Esau's Isaac's favor. And most of the time when we read this, and it was an interesting thought that I came across in preparing for this, most of the time we really focus on Rebecca's trying to trick Jacob, or Isaac into giving Jacob the blessing. But you remember that it was told that it was going to be Jacob. And as you keep on reading, you never read where Rebecca was punished. Now, she was sneaky and tricky, and yeah. The suggestion was made, I think it actually had some validity, that perhaps Isaac was trying to get around that and go ahead and let this all in. Now, when you read this, you read through Genesis 27, and then you read on, we'll, we'll read the next one, but you read Genesis 27, you recall that Isaac called Esau and he tells him to go and get the venison, bring, prepare it the way he likes it, and bring it into him, and he'll get the blessing. Rebecca hears it. She tells Jacob, go get a couple of kids out of the field, bring them in, I'll fix it, and, and we'll get everything set up, and that way he'll bless you. He goes, he brings those things in, they, she prepares the food, she puts the, the, the 
he feels like Esau, and he's got the food that Esau prepares. But now take this to Genesis 27, 27 through 29. It says, And he came near and kissed him and smelled the smell of his raiment, blessed him, saying, and said, See, the smell of my son is as the smell of the field which the Lord has blessed. Therefore, God gives thee of the dew of heaven and of the fatness of the earth and plenty of corn and wine. Let the people serve thee, and nations bow down to thee. Be Lord over thy brethren, and let thy mother's sons bow down to thee. Curse be everyone that curses thee. And blessed be he that blesses thee. Now there's some similarity there to the Abrahamic promise in Genesis 12. But he doesn't say anything about the, the, the land specifically. And the suggestion was made that he thought he was blessing Esau with this blessing, but it's not like he didn't want to go ahead and mess up everything. And so he's going to say what was supposed to be for Jacob for Jacob. So uh, the two possibilities were he was either trying to get around everything and still bless Esau, his favorite, or he gone senile, and he didn't really know what he was doing, he was just moving on ahead. But it seems more calculated than that. But you get to Genesis 28, 2 through 4, as Isaac is sending Jacob off to go marry a daughter from, uh, uh, from, the, from uh, his, his, from Rebecca's family there, Says, Arise, go to Padam to the house of Bethuel, the mother, thy mother's father, and take thee a wife from them to the daughters of Laban, thy mother's brother. And God Almighty bless thee and make thee fruitful and multiply thee, that thou mayest be a multitude of people, and give thee the blessing of Abraham to thee, and to thy seed with thee, that thou mayest inherit the land wherein thou art a stranger, which God gave unto Abraham. And Isaac sent away Jacob, and he went to pattern around and delayed him, the son of Bethuel, the Syrian, the brother of Rebekah, <coughs> Jacob, and Esau's mother. And so in the first place, he didn't go all the way, but here he gives him that full blessing of that promise, moving the covenant to him now. And uh, so, there's, like I said, there seems to be that, that Isaac was trying to get around all that and bless Esau, but he wasn't blessing Jacob without realizing. Esau comes in right after that. It seems like Jacob's leaving his life on the move. Jacob's going out stage left. I forget which one's bad. But he goes stage left, and here comes Esau, stage right. More venison. Now, if you're Isaac, you're going to good. You got it pretty good. That's the problem. Verse 37 Isaac answered and said unto Esau, Behold, he, he's realized who he is. He's asking the blessing. Here's the blessing he gives Esau. Behold, I made him thy Lord. And all his brethren have I given to him for a servant. And with corn and wine have I sustained him. And what shall I do to my son? Esau said of his father, Hast thou but one blessing, my father? Bless me even also, my father. And Esau looked up his voice and wept. As his father answered, Behold, thy dwelling shall be the fact of the earth, and do of heaven from above. By the sword that shalt thou live, and thou shalt serve thy brother, it shall come to pass. When thou shalt have dominion, that thou shalt break the yoke from all thy enemies. Esau hated Jacob because the blessing was his father's blessing. And Esau, Esau said in his heart, Today is the morning for my father at hand, then will I slay my brother Jacob. And so we've got this blessing of Esau, and it bears out that his people would be exactly as Isaac described them. They would dwell in the mountains and live by the sword. And uh, so we leave him in his problems with him comforting himself 
with only the thought that since your daddy died, you're going to kill my brother. That's the cause. Because of that, Rebecca learns of that, and you recall she sent and tells Isaac, it's going to wear me away if, if he married one of the daughters of Canaan. Esau already had two wives of the sons of Heth, so they send him back home. Esau seems to think, well, he, he, they sent him home to marry a wife of our people, and so I'll uh, marry somebody from Ishmael. So he gets one another, one of Abraham's descendants, and marries them with that. That it, it didn't really help anything. It didn't get really improved. All right, moving on, though. So you got the problems with the birthright and the blessing. Now we come to passing things up. This is Genesis 32 and 33. There's a preparation that takes place. Jacob is coming back from Laban. You recall they had had that party, and we'll talk about that in just a minute. But they had had the party coming, and they send some folks ahead to look and see what, what he's going to run into when he comes into Esau. And he's got Rachel and Leah, the, uh, the son and uh, the daughter, and so they're traveling, and he doesn't want anything to happen to them or his flock. And so he's coming, he sends some scouts ahead to, to go see and, and try to see how it's going to come. They come back and say, we saw Esau with 400 men coming to see him. Now, last thing he named your brother went to the city, and he's coming back to the 400 men. This doesn't look good. The best thing he can hope for is basically what he does. He's still trusting in God because if he was sent away, he uh, had the promise that God would bless him to be with him. So he's trusting in God, but he also does some practical things. He separates out of the two companies and thought that, well, if one gets got, then I'll still have the other then you have his wrestling with the angel, that's 32, verses 24 to 32, and the uh, name change. And then you come to chapter 33, and he meets with his brother after he sends those waves of presence to kind of pave the way and smooth things over. But he comes to his brother, and his brother says, what's all this stuff? And he says, it's just for you. And he says, I don't need all that. I'm just glad to see you, more or less. Well, here's anyway, I want to give them to you. They had reconciliation and brought back together, and things work out. And even so much that he wanted to help lead them and kind of escort them back home. And Jacob said, No, it's okay. We, we've got little ones, they would be able to travel like y'all want to travel. Y'all go ahead, and we'll go along our way. And so they're able to get things, things back together and work out at that point in time. And so you have the struggles of the beginning, the struggles with the brother. Then you have the struggles of burdens with the journey. That's number three. Struggles of burdens with the journey. The passage, the, 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 the passage that going from um, Palestine up to uh, the Herod, um, chapter 28 and then chapter 29, verses 1 through 14, it's going to be on about a 500 mile journey. And along the way, you recall, it doesn't really say where he, or how long it took him to get here, but he gets to the place that was called Love, he eventually named it Bethel. After the events of the night where he, he dreams and sees the ladder with the angels ascending and descending, and God's at the top of the, the ladder, and he tells them, or basically he tells them the Abrahamic promise, and he says, I'm making it now to you. Now imagine, if you're Jacob, you just ran, you just ran by the skin of your teeth, really, to get away from your brother Esau. You're all by yourself. Um, he's old up in age, it seems like, so about seven seven is what I was reading. Um, but he's all, he's not he's not just a young fellow. He's 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 old enough to kind of handle himself being out there, but but you 
got ran out of, 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 of home, got this blessing. Now, Isaac gave the blessing. You know, you, you put emphasis on what your, your father said. But just because your dad says God's going to be with you don't necessarily mean God's going to be with you. But then along this journey, he had that dream, and God says, I'm going to be with you. He gets up the next morning and basically says, if the Lord will be with me, I'm going to be with the Lord. And that's the way he, began. he continues on this journey, really, throughout the rest of his life. You see that, even though everything didn't perfect, you see that play out in the way he behaves the rest of the time that we read about him. And then chapter 29, 1 through 14, he comes and he finds his family. He uh, sees the shepherds there by the well, and he asks if they know about Laban. He says, yeah, there's his daughter there. He sees his cousin Rachel. Falls in love with her and begins to uh, work toward making a family. So the passage uh, from, from Palestine to there to find his family, but then becoming a patriarch. Kind of Summing up this, this portion of his life, he's made that journey. God says, I'm going to be with you. Now he's got a time, he, he, he's establishing himself. He, he, he finds a wife. It takes him 14 years to get to what he wanted. Um, starts out, he agrees to work with Laban for seven years to raise it. He gets Leah. After the celebration of the wedding, he goes with, uh, he says, I'll give you Rachel. Gives her her. Now, I want you, you don't have to do it right in a second. But as you read through this section, I hope you'll read through this section again just to, and take a glance. But on the back of your handout, the back outside, not the side of the, the uh, outline, there's a list of the names of the boys, their mothers, whose handmaids they were, and, handmaid, and then the meaning of their names. And as you read that, look at the meaning of those names and, and just how miserable and how soap opera-ish it was to be in that household. All because they didn't follow God's way of doing things on marriage. And keep in mind that Leah is the rightful wife of Jacob, and ultimately it's through her that we have Christ. But it's, it's interesting to see that play out, and just the, the pull and the, 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 the turmoil we call of a situation there with the wives and the sons. And so you have the, his people, then his possessions, chapter 30 through 30, uh, 30, 25 through 30, 55. He worked six more years with Laban to acquire the flocks and herds. And you recall how he said that there, he would go through and get the ones that had abnormalities in their covering, and he'd pull them out from Laban's herd, and he did that, and he put them about two days' journey separate from, from Laban's stuff. But then as they're going on, Laban sees that the things that, that Jacob called for, those are the ones God had given him. And so he begins to, to deal underhandedly with Jacob. And he, said, he, and he starts getting even more specific to where Jacob shouldn't be prospering, but the Lord was with Jacob and prospering. In fact, as time goes on, chapter 31, God comes to him and says, I've been blessing you for these things because I've seen what he's done, but that's time for you to lose. You need to get out of there. And so he goes while Laban is shearing sheep and he takes his family and they leave. Laban comes to him and catches him. And right before Laban goes and talks to Jacob about why he left, God says, Don't mess with Jacob. Don't even say a word about him in this field. So he comes the next morning and says, I could do these things, but the Lord said I shouldn't be. 
Saturday night, the Isle of Solomon's there as a memorial and as a boundary line that Laban wouldn't cross over and go to Jacob, and Jacob wouldn't cross over and come back to Laban. They'd pay their goodbyes and go their separate ways, and they'd be peace. And so we have the, the, the struggles, but with the burdens on the journey. And finally, and quickly, we'll move on through this. He had the struggles that he had with his boys. First of all, he's got the problem with children. That's 34 and 30 and 31. Uh, kind of concluded that you'll call that Dinah had been defiled, and the people said they wanted to have her as their, uh, the, the guy wanted to have her as his wife. And Simeon and Levi say, Well, that's fine, but we have a custom that you have to be circumcised. And then after they agreed to join in with Jacob's people and be circumcised, but he takes Simeon and Levi while the fellows of the town are short. They go and they kill everybody. Take your stuff, and the people of land um, knew what was going on. Jacob, verse 30, says to Simeon and Levi, You troubled me to make me speak among the inhabitants of the land, among the Canaanites and the Perizzites, and I, being few in number, they shall gather themselves together against me and slay me, and I, I shall be destroyed as I and my house. And they said, Should you deal with our sister in heart? And so they went to take care of business, but it was a very diplomatic solution. So you move on into chapter 35, and God tells him to go to Bethel. And so he goes on to Bethel, and along the journey, Genesis 35, 16 through 20, Rachel dies, and so he, he she, she passes away, uh, and or you have the passing of Rachel, and, and he buries her along the way. And in chapter 37, 29 through 36, you have the account where the boys find Joseph, he came to check on them, and they took him, and they were going to kill him, but Reuben said, no, let's not kill him. And so they put him in the, the cistern. And while he was in the cistern, the Ishmaelites come by, and they decide to sell him. And so he makes his way on down to Egypt, so things can play out the way they need to, because in order for us to get to Exodus, we've got to be in Egypt, and God said that's what's going to happen. They take that goat, and they take the blood, and Jacob's coat, and they bring it, bring it or a doge coat, a doge coat, they bring it to Jacob, and he concludes that his son has died. And so you have the passing, the actual passing of Rachel along the way, but then you have the supposed passing of Joseph, and the great burden that that brought to his life. And, and you recall then the problems in Egypt, chapter 42 to 43, the famine started. He sent the boys down, uh, he sent the Benjamin down to Egypt, to go get food, and they, they encounter Joseph, and he, he accuses him of being tried, he arrests him, and he kicks in, and he says, now you go back, and you bring the younger brother, and if you don't bring the younger brother, don't even bother to come back, because I'm not going to see it. And so, uh, Jacob had to deal with this. He had the loss of another son, he had the risk of, of losing Benjamin, and the concern that he had over him being the last son of Rachel, so these problems in Egypt, but you recall it all works out wonderfully. After Joseph reveals himself and he brings family down to Egypt, then at the end you have the prophecies, verse forty, or chapter forty-nine. And we won't go through all those, but you can read those there in chapter forty-nine. But specifically, uh, the prophecy of Judah will be praised from the, his brethren or the tribe superiority in 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 battle. 
that we've seen in David, the scepter which is the parts of Shiloh came. Shiloh is the rest giver looking forward to the coming rest that comes through Christ and through the gospel. All those things are glimpsed on into the future. But as you look at Jacob's life, in the beginning, there were struggles. There were struggles with his brother, the vast majority of his lifetime. There were struggles with the burdens that he had along the journey going to, to get his wife and eventually have his possessions, the, the flocks and herds, and then struggles he had on the way back, laboring and things he had encountered along the way. You got the struggles that he had with his boys and the problems they came because they would do what they wanted to do. All through Jacob's life, they were struggling. But as you read about his life, even though he started out kind of sneaky, and we don't necessarily like David when we first start out reading about it, as time goes on, things like they change. Things like he gets closer and closer to the Lord every day. The faithfulness walk and that commitment that he made to the Lord. So if we look at Jacob, while he had these struggles, he was a faithful follower of God. This morning, as we think about our situation, we understand life has a struggle. And every one of us can say, here's my list. And if we want to do that, that's a depressing us. We don't need to do that. We just need to acknowledge you there. But how are we handling it? Are we looking at how we are able to trust in God and overcome these struggles? Or are we looking at our brethren and what may, they may or may not be doing for us? Are we looking at the world and saying, well, they got these things and they're not there, and I'm trying to follow the Lord and I don't have half the things they got? How are we handling these struggles? Are we walking faithfully with the Lord? Jacob did, and we look to him and admire his faithfulness to that commitment that he made. Tonight we're going to ask the question, can I make it as a Christian, or how can I make it as a Christian? And this kind of leads us right into it. Because as a Christian, we still have to face struggles. This morning, as a child of God, how's that going for you? Are you trusting in God to help you through the obstacles that you face in this life? Those difficult nights when maybe you feel like David did if he was out there on that journey all by himself? Need to spend some time with the Lord and let him remind you that he's with you. He'll be with you. He'll never leave you or forsake you, according to Hebrews 13, verse 5. But when you get up from that sleepless night or that, that lonely night, those difficult days that come in life, do you get up with a renewed sense of I'm going to be with the Lord as he did? Or do you feel farther apart? The choice is up to us because the Lord doesn't move away. He's right where he's always been. He wants us to be him. As a child of God, if you've got some struggles that seem like they may be getting the best of you, why don't you just don't ask for the prayers of your brothers and sisters for strength? It may be that those struggles have led you further away from the Lord. Maybe it's allowed sin to come into your life that, that will separate you from Him and from that special relationship and the, the cleansing of the blood of Jesus and those things. Why does that happen? Why not repent come back after the Lord's forgiveness to restore your service? Maybe you've not obeyed the gospel. Maybe you've not had that 
uh, not literal conversation, but that that carries out of those thoughts of I need the Lord and the Lord there for me and, and, and I can come to Him and I can enjoy that provision. Through His Word, He tells us He'll be with us. And He tells us how we can go to Him by faith. Romans 10 17 comes from hearing God's Word. And repenting of our sins to turn away from the things of this life, turn to Him. Bless His name before men, be baptized for your sins, and be washed away in the agony of His birth. He did obey the gospel, and he come back as a child of God who turned away. Then he comes and stands soon. God is calling the parts who come without delay. Here or here, calling, calling now for the morning. But you
right. Uh, I hope everybody has a good day and hope everybody can be back this evening at the perfect time. And remember those that have been mentioned on our prayer list. Keep those in your prayers through the day and through the week. We're having lunch at uh, Virginia's house, so everybody's invited, so please come. Anything else? Right, if there's nothing else, we'll ask Brother Dale to dismiss us with prayer.
With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. <laughs> 